you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, here again bringing you another show. Starting to get really excited for the football season now, of course. Uh, this Sunday comes the first game of the preseason, going to be the Hall of Fame game coming up this week with the, the Steelers hitting off against the Vikings. So I know people will be saying, ah, only preseason, but we're starting to get seeing people on the training field, seeing how things are looking, and uh, unfortunately, with that has come some injuries, which we'll be talking about as the show goes on. But uh, a lot of things to look forward to in the coming weeks, and uh, it's almost time to, to play this sounder, which I'm really looking forward to playing a week in and week out again. Want to know who's going to win every NFL game this weekend? It's time for the OTI Weekend Preview. So uh, really looking forward to the next coming weeks as we get really, really close to the NFL season. Preseason, as I mentioned, kicking off, then we get into the real thick of it. And uh, it'll all go on and continue on until we hit February and see who makes it to the Super Bowl this coming season. So really exciting stuff and looking forward to the next few weeks, getting people on to preview different teams, looking forward to the season, uh, fantasy football and so on before your draft days come up. So a lot, a lot of stuff to look forward to in the next few weeks. And as I mentioned previously, I'm very busy myself as I get ready to head down under, down to Australia for a year. So uh, that there's all going to be continuing as we get ready for the NFL season. So it should be a real, a real fun time. Not going to week two of the season. So we'll see, we'll see how things develop from that point forward. On today's show, we're going to be joined by Chris Trapasso. Chris is the NFL.com homepage editor. He works with NFL Now as well. And he is a writer as well for CBS Sports. His main role is covering the Buffalo Bills and uh, we're going to be talking to him as we always do when he's on about the Buffalo Bills the AFC East and uh, of course much much more that's been going on in the last few days with the training camps and that being back on there has been a couple of key injuries and uh, we'll talk to him about those as well so uh, to start the show I'm just going to get him straight on we're going to get straight into talking with him and then after it any news I don't get to cover with uh, Chris I'll go on and uh, we'll talk about it uh, at the end in our NFL news so so that's kind of everything to, to start the show. Of course, as always, I do say thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for downloading, downloading multiple devices. Head up iTunes, head up Stitcher, give us a rating or comment there. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. So without further ado, let's get straight into the NFL talk. So let's get Chris on the show. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Joined back on the show again by Chris Trapasso. Uh, we've had Chris on a good few times over the summer, and it's always been very informative, particularly on the AFC East when we've had him on the show. And uh, Chris has been covering the Buffalo Bills camp on uh, on Twitter with great uh, regularity, but uh, as we talked just before we come on, the, the information that's coming out is nearly uh, out of date by the time we start talking about it, but uh, thanks again, Chris, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, obviously, I mentioned you're up with uh, the Buffalo Bills and uh, at some of the training camp. You're not up there today, which uh, we're talking about this here now on Wednesday, but the, the news today coming out was uh, from GM Doug Whaley, and it was uh, he was talking about the, the Buffalo Bills almost being in QB purgatory. What did you uh, make off the comment? Well, I think it's first important to really uh, get the context behind that comment, that yeah. when we hear QB purgatory, we think, I mean, I think of, and what's been really used a lot is like the Cincinnati Bengals, that they have a great team, but their quarterback is kind of putting them in a purgatory where he's not, you know, or he's not horrible, but he's not good enough to win a Super Bowl. But actually, Whaley's comments were more about um, it was when he was asked about next season and if the Bills would potentially be um, interested in drafting a quarterback in the first round. And when he, how he used that term, QB purgatory, was he was referencing that if. I mean, like he didn't say, you know, for sure we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round in 
in 2016, but he mentioned that he thinks this Bills team is good enough that if they do want to draft a quarterback, they're not going to have a top three, top five, or top ten pick. So he was kind of saying that, you know, say there's two or three really good quarterbacks in this in this uh, in a in the 2016 class that they're not going to be able to pick one of those guys, you know, like we saw Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota go number one or number two. Um, but certainly, I mean, at this point, it's it's only, you know, the fifth day of camp. Um, but, I mean, certainly the Bills do not have a fantastic quarterback situation. Um, so he could have been kind of speaking uh, to the fact that the Bills may be forced to take a uh, quarterback in the first round next year, but his comment was more just about that he thinks that they'll be or thinks and obviously hopes that they'll be drafting later into the first round because the rest of the team is good enough that they'll win, you know, between eight and eleven games. Yeah, because obviously at this stage of the season, everyone's trying to be positive, and nobody wants to be finishing mm-hmm. with the worst record in the NFL. So, and people were taking the comment all different ways, whether he meant that the, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks aren't good enough now, but. Uh, there's still, or is there still uh, a hope in Buffalo that one of these guys can emerge? There's been talk of Taylor, and obviously EJ Manuel was the guy they took high in the draft a couple of years back. Is there? Do you see any signs of hope there, or do you think that it, uh, in two or three years, none of these guys will be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, well, I mean, to kind of give a two-part answer, I do think that there's hope in terms of this season. Um, and a lot of that is just because last year um, the Bills went went nine and seven. EJ Manuel started four games. The Bills were two and two in those games. And then Kyle Orton, who's you know he's been that you know, uh, journeyman, almost but backup level quarterback his entire career. Yeah. Um, so neither of them were fantastic last year. And the Bills go nine and seven, and they were really carried by their defense. The defense pretty much uh, was kept intact. They lost. Norris Searcy, the safety and free agency, but they re-signed Jerry Hughes. Um, so I think there's hope that the rest of the team around whoever the quarterback is, whether it's E.J. Manuel, whether it's Tyrod Taylor um, or Matt Castle, that the defense and then adding guys like Percy Harvin, LaShawn McCoy, Charles Clay, who's a versatile tight end that's going to play H-back, fullback, tight end, um, that that uh, Sammy Watkins is a year older, Robert Woods is into his third year, um, that just the overall team around them is better, that none of those guys necessarily um, have to be tremendous quarterbacks, but just the team around them is so good and, and so deep and, and there's a lot of top-level talent um, that the Bills should be good enough to either go 9-7 and seven or improve on that and get, in, get into the playoffs for the first time in 15 years. Now, who, I mean, two to three years from now, I mean, if if the Bills are sitting there, let's just say at pick number 24, 25 next year, and there's a really impressive quarterback prospect on the roster, would the Bills be potentially looking to improve the quarterback position or at least add another top-level talent to, to you know, future quarterback competitions? Sure. I, like, I don't think that that's totally out of the question. Um, but obviously a lot of it will depend on whoever wins this quarterback battle, you know, how well they play um, – this upcoming season. So to say that there's hope, I think there is. Um, but to, to say that, you know, for sure EJ Manuel or for sure Tyra Taylor will be the Bills quarterback in two or three years, I think that's hard to say right now because it's just there's so much that, that needs to happen and, and this 2015 season is going to be huge. Yeah, there's so much, there is so much talent on that Bills team and you wonder if uh, maybe one of these quarterbacks do step up to the plate and we see the amazing progress from one of them. But you mentioned a lot of the names there, a lot of talent. You mentioned Charles Clay's come up from Miami. You've mentioned 
LaShawn McCoy, the defense has a lot of great pieces on it. Then you, Sammy Watkins coming into his second season in the league. Who has uh, stood out? Who has really impressed uh, from what you've seen? Well, I think Sammy Watkins is really the headliner. I mean, obviously, Shady McCoy, you know, is a, a former all pro running back and, and, He's probably the most famous or well-known and most established on the team, but just with today's NFL being very pass-happy and, and just with the Bills moving up to get Timmy Watkins last year and his amazing college career, he's probably the guy that's going to create the most excitement um, with the fans, with the media, and that, to me, just at the um, two practices that I've been at, he doesn't seem, because he dealt with a lot of injuries last year, he... Uh, Hurt his ribs. I think he yeah. like he actually broke his ribs um, in a preseason game last year, and then when when that was kind of subsided, he had a hip injury and a hamstring injury. So that dynamic yards after the catch guy that we saw at Clemson, you know, wasn't really there last season. I mean, he he had almost a thousand yards. He had a good amount of TDs, um, but we didn't really get to see a lot of yards after the catch because a lot of times he was just falling down and just you know almost sliding or or like running out of bounds. Um, after he caught passes. So I've he's gotten open a lot. He seems to have all that burst back, and he's been fully healthy. So on on offensive side, he's been very impressive. And Robert Woods is a guy that he's not a physical freak like Sammy Watkins is. He's not 6'4", 6'5". He's about 6'1", uh, 200 pounds. He's not super muscular, but he just runs his routes really well. I, I think he really understands all the nuances of, um, you know, just getting in and out of his breaks quickly, you know, kind of changing speeds to kind of throw off the cornerbacks. He's um, been uh, targeted a lot. And on defense, I think um, second-round cornerback Ronald Darby, who's um, been playing because of a few injuries in the Bills secondary, he's, I mean, just at the two practices that I've been at, he's, you know, um, stepped in front of a lot of passes. There's been a, a lot of deep ball shots that, that he's broken up, so I think the Bills do have that great pass rush that always helps the secondary, but they do have um, a very good secondary with uh, Stephon Gilmore, Leotis McKelvin, Corey Graham, and then if if Darby can end up being a player, then they're they're very deep. Mikel Roby, so they they would be pretty deep, you know, three to five guys uh, at cornerback or at safety. So uh, Watkins, Woods, and Darby really to me have been the three guys who have stood out the most. Yeah, and you just there is, I mentioned already, a lot of talent there, and it's going to make this division so exciting this year because the Dolphins, you know, have improved in certain areas. You have the Jets who look to be slightly improved again, and then the the Patriots kind of seem to be maybe taking a drop down after winning the Super Bowl, and on to the New England Patriots and the uh, NFLPA left on their kind of dossier into this uh, this trial that's going on at the moment, and 452 page transcript on the the Tom Brady appeal. Um, I don't think you've probably haven't read through all 452 pages, but I'm interested. Anyone that we've had on to talk about it has been from kind of the New England Patriots side, and I've always been trying to be the kind of mediator in between it. But from say being uh, around Buffalo and that there, have you uh, got a different vibe for it? What's the thoughts maybe around there, and what do you think is inevitably going to be the the end target here for both the NFL and the the NFLPA? Well, I think certainly uh, I agree with the consensus that this has kind of been a drawn out thing and it's taken a long time. And, and uh, yeah, and a lot of that has been because there's been so many appeals and now there's the lawsuit. So it just seems like we're, we're in August, we're getting close to, I mean, there's a preseason game on Sunday, the regular season is going to be here before we know it, that it, it seems almost crazy that this is still going on. Um, and 
certainly, I mean, I understand anyone who who doesn't necessarily agree with a four-game suspension and, you know, um, like for the Patriots to lose um, a first and fourth-round draft pick and be docked a million dollars and for Brady uh, to be out for the first month of the season. If anyone thinks that that's a little bit too harsh for what happened, I, I can get behind that. However, to me, just not necessarily a smoking gun, but I just don't understand why uh, if Ted Wells and this whole investigation, if they told Tom Brady, listen, we're not going to scroll through all of your like all of your phone records, everything on your phone, we're just going to look at the text between you and these two trainers, um, and Tom Brady wouldn't let them do it. To me, that just doesn't make any sense, and that's just what the NFL will always have against Tom Brady, that, that he was unwilling to do this. He wasn't really fully cooperating with the investigation. And, I mean, if you're in Tom Brady's shoes and you know that your text messages to those two guys would make you an innocent man in this case, then why wouldn't you do it? I mean, I understand those who say, like, you know, I wouldn't let anyone go through any of my private stuff, but I feel like if any of us were in Tom Brady's shoes or in another legal matter where we knew that handing over our phone would prove us innocent, then we would do it. So that's just always a sketchy thing to me. And where this ends, I think that there's a chance that his suspension will be reduced down to two games, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me um, because we are getting close and there hasn't really been any headway for the Tom Brady party if this you know stays at, at four games and the Patriots have to play the Steelers, the Bills, the Jaguars, and then the Cowboys with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Yeah, it's a very messy situation and it has gone on for such a long time and it has been very, very drawn out. So hopefully the, the end game is in, in, in sight and maybe we'll even see mm-hmm. a settlement before it gets to the, the court situation. But uh, the next one up's uh, Arian Foster. I'm sure everyone listening to the show already knows that he got injured in training on Monday, uh, injured his groin. It looks like he's going to have surgery and go in the short term IR. And by all the actions that the Texans have done over the last few days, would look that way. Pierre Thomas was in for a visit. Uh, no deal was agreed. But uh, how big, like this team's this team, like the Buffalo Bills team, I think was going to be run a lot through the uh, the running game because of the situation at both teams' quarterbacks. So losing out in a, a top talent like uh, Arian Foster so close to the season, it's a very very devastating blow. And I'm sure he's not going to be the, the first big name player, or the, not. He is the first name. He won't be the last big name player to go down this preseason. Oh uh, yeah, I mean certainly, I think that's a good point. That uh, the Texans are, are are kind of built similarly to teams like the Bills and the Jets, where they have, you know, some concerns at quarterback, um, but they have good a you know good defense. I mean, especially up front, I I think their their linebacking core and their secondary are not to the same level as the Bills. Yeah or the Jets, but they're a team that was going to win with Watt and Will Fork and, and you know, if if Clowney can play and be healthy, um, that they're going to win with, with, you know, pressure up front on defense, running the football, and just getting, you know, game-managing play out of, uh, you know, Ryan Mallett or Brian Hoyer. Um, so, but without Foster, I think he was going to be a, a really big part of it. He dealt with a lot of nagging injuries, and I'm sure a lot of the fantasy people out there know there's always been, you know, a two week to four week injury for Foster, but you know he's been he's been one of the most, if not the most, productive quarterbacks since, or sorry, running backs yeah. since 2010. Uh, I actually tweeted this morning that he has the or he's tied with Marshawn Lynch with the most touchdowns since 2010. They they both have 62, but what's really interesting about it is Marshawn Lynch has gotten those 62 touchdowns in 79 games. 
and Arian Foster has gotten those 62 touchdowns in only 66 games. So he's been super productive, yeah, yeah. He's pretty much scoring a, a touchdown per game. There are some veterans out there. I think Pierre Thomas would have been a good fit. Uh, Chris Johnson is still out there. Ahmad Bradshaw, obviously Ray Rice. I think they'll end up signing one of those guys. Um, and there's certainly, as you were alluding to, that, that there's probably going to be some other guys going down um, to injury in camp. You know, there's always that third or fourth string running back with some potential that a team might be willing to trade to the Texans for maybe, you know, anywhere from a fifth to a seventh-round pick. Um, so I think we should keep an eye on that because teams really like to go with, like, the uh, younger running backs today. Uh, but certainly this is a big blow for the Texans that seem like a borderline or fringe uh, wildcard team. And, you know, to not have that um, very talented running back with great vision in Foster for at least the first eight weeks of the season, uh, I think it's a big blow. Yeah, massive blow. And you mentioned some of the free agents that are out there, some of them guys. A lot of people were talking that they might get signed, you know, after the first week of the season, get the veteran minimum rather than have to give them a contract. And you said Ray mm-hmm. Rice there as well. He's looking for that second chance in the league. He's been talking about it this week, but still a lot of teams not willing to uh, touch him on that. A player who has got a second chance, I was very surprised how quickly he was picked up, was Junior Galletti. He was picked up by the Redskins, cut by the Saints last week, leaving them with a, a ton load of uh, cap casualty on him and uh, he was signed for the the minimum so there's no real risk for the the Redskins and I guess they're kind of depleted off talent at the position but were you surprised at how quick he was picked up um with with all the incidents that have happened um regarding domestic violence or just you know violence in general um surrounding the NFL I was a little surprised that it happened I think like two or three days later after he was released from the uh, Saints and like you said you know the Saints were willing to cut ties with them after you know just giving him a, a huge contract extension, and yeah. yeah, and for and you know, there's a lot of dead uh, money that's still on that contract for the Saints. So that it surprised me a little bit and how fast it was. But when you think about the two different situations, running backs when you're you know Ray Rice, Chris Johnson, Ahmad Bradshaw, you you know you carry the ball a ton. You're getting up there in age, getting close to or past thirty. Um, you know, it's not going to be as easy to get a job. But when you're a, I think Junior Gretz only 26 or 27, yeah. um, you know, young pass rusher who's very underrated. He had 10 sacks last year um, and a lot more pressures and hits on, like, on the quarterback. I would say he's probably a top uh, 15 to top 20 pass rusher in the entire NFL. When you can rush the passer, there's a, there's a premium on that, and teams are going to be willing to say, all right, you know, this guy may be suspended by the league. Um, for a few games, but we need to be able to get after the quarterback, and especially in the NFC East, with you know Chip Kelly's offense is going to is going to run the ball or it is going to pass the ball a lot and score a lot of points. You have Tony Romo, um, Eli Manning, so I think the Redskins that have kind of been you know since RG 3s rookie year in 2012, they've kind of been the doormat of that division that that um, they realized that they that they needed to add more pass rush. So I think. You know, that kind of supersedes any off-field stuff. And like you said, you know, they didn't sign him to a huge deal. The veteran minimum, if he messes up again or if he doesn't play well, which he should play well when, when he's on the field. But if he messes up again, they can cut him and there's no real financial risk. So the only thing that, that really surprised me was just how fast he got picked up. But, you know, if you can rush the quarterback and you're uh, – especially if you're younger, you're, you know – you're going to make a lot of money and you're going to be picked up by teams, even if there is off-field stuff. 
Yeah, and it just looks like the Cowboys is exact same with uh, when they took Greg Hardy as well in the off-the-field concern. So mm-hmm. I guess if you yep. have that talent, you're going to be picked up. Last question exactly. now is, uh, the, the, in the last week, the Seahawks have made two big signings, and it's keeping two of their star players, Russell Wilson, an $87 million contract, and Bobby Wagner for $43 million. Obviously, those two deals were ones they needed to get done. Uh, they had to get done. I was surprised maybe that Wagner was done before the season, but when you, you look at the talent now, they've signed up for the next few years, and they have uh, the likes of Jimmy Graham, uh, Marshawn Lynch, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Wilson and Wagner. Just That's only naming a few. Um, they're really definitely going to be in contention for the next uh, three or four years at least, aren't they? Oh, totally. And I think, you know, we kind of get caught up, and I have the tendency to kind of do this a little bit, and I really try not to, but to get caught up with, you know, how teams are like dealing with their salary cap and their financials, um, you know, over the long term. But when you really think about it, two or three years, yeah, yeah, two or three years in the NFL is a long time. And if you can have your core players who you've been to two straight Super Bowls with that are that are all pro or, or pro bowl caliber players, if you can have them um, under contract for two or three more seasons when they're really in the primes of their careers, you don't worry about 2018, you don't worry about 2019 at this point when those players are older, you get them under contract and you don't, so there's no worries about holdouts or, you know, any disagreements between the players uh, and the front office. And you try to, you know, add with those second to fourth round picks, um, like, just to be kind of in like role player situation. So I think, you know, with all the money being shelled out, there was a little bit of some rhetoric about, oh yeah, you know, like what are the Seahawks going to do in 2018, 2019, but just having that core, which is a very good core, especially on defense under contract um, is, is, is really special and almost unheard of today because just with how crazy free agency has kind of become over the last 10 or 15 years, I think that they're a team, they still have, I think, considerable offensive line issues, but the defense and, and playing up there in Seattle are very tough, and I think you're right that, that they're a team that you know are going to be in contention. They're going to probably have a lot of home playoff games over the next two or three seasons. Yeah, you mentioned as well the offensive line is kind of the, the weakness for them, but when you've Wilson able to move around behind the line and Marshall Lynch trying to get through the line, that'll help them a little bit of those issues. Uh, yeah, definitely. They're trying to sign up players now for the long term uh, earlier maybe because they, they're not waiting for the season to start and the player have a big, another big year. But the Colts have uh, T.Y. Hilton, Andrew Luck, and then of course the Bengals have guys uh, A.J. Green coming into a contract year. Do you think it'll be the smart decision for those teams to, I think now if training camp's starting, it's more or less likely but do you think they'd be smarter to sign those guys up rather than they uh, go out maybe have a career year and uh, the dollars then are too much to, to get done? Yeah, to me, I think A.J. Green and Julio Jones yeah, Julio are two guys that, yeah, that I think they, you know, if, if I was the GM of those teams or like the cap guy for those teams, I would look to get those guys signed immediately because you know that they're going to produce. They're going to be 1,000-yard receivers, Um they're going to catch a ton of passes. They're going to be your featured guy. They're 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 really good in the red zone. They 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 pretty much check all the boxes in terms of, you know, on paper they're 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 that number one receiver, and on the field they've been that number one receiver their entire careers. T. Y. Hilton is a little different uh, for me just because he's that smaller, almost slot receiver. I know he doesn't play out of the slot all the time. Um, he hasn't been tremendous in terms of his efficiency in the red zone. And I think a lot of that is because just. Those, those smaller wide receivers have a little trouble, you know, on those jump ball fade patterns or just when it's a lot more congested and they can't really use their speed as much. When we see a guy like Julio Jones or A.J. Green can kind of box out in the red zone. Um, he's a guy that 
I mean, with Andrew Luck, uh, you know, he's going to put up, you know, big stats, but I would almost wait uh, in season uh, if I was running the Colts organization because I think with Andre Johnson, with uh, Philip Dorsett, their first-round pick, they brought in Chris Carter's um, son, Deron Carter, yeah. and with Frank Gore, that there's a possibility that just due to how many people and how many targets and how many weapons they have on offense, you're not going to see T.Y. Hilton catch 80 passes and have 1,400 yards with 10 touchdowns just because he's not going to be able to have that high volume. I think T.Y. Hilton's kind of saying, hey, look what I've done in, uh, in my first three seasons. You know, I want this huge contract. But I think the reason why we haven't really seen that yet is because just uh, the, the Colts and, and their front office are, are, are going to try, as, as any would, um, to get as much leverage as possible, so they don't have to shell out an enormous contract for a five foot ten receiver, um, because they they kind of realize that there's a good chance that he's going to be you know productive and he's probably going to you know average a pretty high yards per catch, but he's not going to be in that upper echelon of that true number one receiver numbers just because of how many uh, weapons there are in the offense. Yeah, it was really interesting that you made that point to the difference between the two of them because. You think, uh, you know, if A.J. Green goes somewhere else, uh, has a lesser quarterback, say he was playing with the Texans, or even just, say, the Buffalo Bills, and same with uh, Julio Jones. Uh, if Hilton goes to a team like that there with poor quarterback play, I think, uh, you know, that you don't get away with as much in that there, I think, is mm-hmm. why the other two guys are For more sure. important to their teams. But, Chris, uh, we've, kept you, we've kept you long enough here, and it's been great to get all your thoughts on all the stuff going around in training camp and uh, the news is coming out thick and fast as, as we're doing this as well but it's uh, it's always good to talk ball with you and uh, any of the listeners go and check Chris out at Chris Trapasso on Twitter it's always great information you get there and uh, definitely worth a follow thanks as always Chris hey thank you you're listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland thanks once again to Chris for coming on the show it's always good having him on enjoy talking with him uh, he's always very informative, in particular about the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills, which he, he covers the Bills very, very thoroughly on his Twitter feed. There's always good information being put out on his Twitter feed. It's one of the better ones that I, I think that we here at Overtime Ireland follow. So I would definitely give a, a big shout out to go and follow him on Twitter. It's at Chris Trapasso, as I mentioned there. And um, you definitely won't regret it during the football season because there'll be plenty of good information coming your way. I'm going to start off the news with a little bit of news and I suppose to some people's news I know a couple of the dynasty leagues I'm involved in and uh, you know people are looking to future years hopefully players will come back in and do a job players like Josh Garden players like the next man I'm going to talk about and that is Justin Blackman and Jaguars general manager Dave Caldwell was uh, you know he hasn't talked about over the the last few months nearly the last year when he got indefinitely suspended but he thinks that Justin Blackman's time possibly in the NFL could be done and it's not a good sign coming from obviously the Jaguars who have his rights. Um, he, you know, he was a top five pick for them. Uh, he has had time in the league where he actually did produce quite well but then the uh, issues off the field have just kept following him when he was a rookie. I believe he got arrested for a DUI. He had a lot of other off the field issues. Then he got suspended by the league, came back, did well again in the league and then got suspended again. So just uh, similar to Josh Gordon, except it seems to have gone a bit further at this stage that it just looks like uh, Justin Blackman won't be involved with the team. There had been reports that he had put on quite a large amount of weight, that he wasn't really looking to get back into the game anyway from that perspective. So he says that Caldwell has said that he hasn't heard anything from Blackman. They haven't been in touch. And obviously that there is not going to be uh, not going to be too good. And if you're not training, you're not being in you know prime physical condition that you need to be in the NFL working away from the team, even though you're not going to be playing 
last season and then you have a chance maybe to come in this year but it doesn't look like it's going to happen I don't even think that they're going to the, the players association are going to ask the league to reinstate him because I just don't know if the interest there from his perspective but it is it is very disappointing for the Jacksonville Jaguars who did draft a, a wide receiver so high in the draft a couple of years back and you know it just did not work out for them so uh, another another young player in the NFL or out of the NFL, I guess we'll say that doesn't look like he's going to have any more playing time, and looks like the end off the road uh, as a football player for uh, Justin Blackman. There was a bit of spark on the NFL Network over the last few days when they were talking about uh, Des Bryant on the field, uh, on the training field, and getting into a little bit of a scuffle off the field. But as I've said lots of times uh, with Des Bryant on this show, you know he is a player, a very passionate player, tries to motivate his teammates and. I, I've been involved in uh, tra- training ground scuffles, whether it be at soccer, whether it be even at just a friendly game with your friends. Uh, some people just I, like myself, I don't like to lose. And uh, sometimes you do lose your cool a little bit, maybe say something you shouldn't, maybe do something you shouldn't, and when it's over, then it's all, everyone's back to being friends again. So no more so than that there. But they did try and make a story out of it. I didn't. I thought it was a non-story from the start. And anything that seems to involve Des being aggressive or so on. Remember last, time, last season with the Sound FX and... When the game was on, I think it was against the Colts, maybe that there was a he was shouting uh, a lot of his teammates, and they thought that he was uh, being angry at them, but he was actually trying to say like, "Come on, guys, let's go and get this one. Let's get the get the win, and we can still win this game." So a lot of things can be turned negative or positive, depending on what way you want to look at it. But I thought it was a non-story myself. But training camps here, the story's coming out, and uh, it's better than we did for the last maybe two months, three months when we were sitting uh, twiddling our thumbs trying to come up with new stories. So. Next one up then is Eric Ebron, uh, drafted very highly last year by the Detroit Lions, and a lot of people expecting him to come in and make an instant impact. But when you look at the tight end position, it usually takes two, three, sometimes even four years for the you know the player to get everything. Because at tight end position, uh, you do have to learn so much more than just the wide receivers. The wide receivers will be learning the right concepts, where to be at the time when the ball comes, where to make your breaks. But when you're playing at the tight end position, you need to get the blocking scheme down right. You need to make sure that you're... Uh, ready for your assignment depending which way the play call is which way it's running and then of course if you're going out to catch a ball off say a play action or just a quick screen or something like that you just have to be out there and know everything down so you have to get the pass protection right the run plays right the catching right you have to just work on so much and as a young player sometimes their head kind of gets a little bit overcrowded maybe get flooded in the information and doesn't work out so uh, with Eric Ebron their uh, general manager has been talking as well and Martin Mayhew has been talking to the Detroit Free Press. Easy for me to say. Probably talking to Dave Burkett, who had on the show. It doesn't, in this story, give a, an actual credit to who he was talking to, but usually the Lions stuff there is with uh, Dave Burkett up in Detroit. But he's been talking, he's, and he sees a lot more discipline, professionalism, motivation, and a realistic guy than they saw last year. Because when he was coming out in the draft process, you know, he did carry himself with a bit of a swagger, looked maybe to be a little bit overconfident, but. Uh, he did back himself up, and I'm sure this year he'll want to prove it. And as a Packers fan, maybe I don't want to see him proving it, but maybe he comes out this year and, uh, you know, people were talking that he was going to be a very good pass catch and tight end. So we'll see what happens. Uh, just a final word from Mayhew says that he knows what's at stake this season. So uh, we'll see We'll see how he, how he goes in the passing game this year for the Lions. And maybe even it's not even just all about the passing. Maybe they're looking at the run game and so on as well. So... Another another little bit of tidbit coming out of the training camp, and sometimes around this time, stories like that there, where a, pl- a general manager saying the player knows what's at stake, rather than somebody coming out and saying this player's fantastic, looks amazing, best player in the team, and 
then the season starts and the player doesn't get any snaps on the field. So that there's deciphering the information. Sometimes the the critical comments are uh, more believable than the uh, positive hype up comments. And we've seen with the a big story over the weekend, Kenan was Ben Roethlisberger. They were talking about who he thought the breakout player was going to be. He said it was going to be Marcus Wheaton. Uh, you know, everyone's talking about Martavis Bryant. So you know, do we uh, think that he's trying to motivate Wheaton? Do we think that he's uh, really that high on? Wheaton. We'll we'll see once the season starts and when preseason gets going. But you know he's a player that I think it's his third year now, and people were sleeping on him a wee bit after last year. But he hasn't done a lot on the field, so we'll see what he does this coming season. And you know Brian uh, Martavis Bryant's kind of the the one that everyone's uh, hyping hyping at the moment and uh, kind of has fallen in love with. But we'll, we'll really see what happens now in the, in the coming weeks. And that there's what's so good. We've done a lot of talk and we've done a lot of guessing and now we're going to see what really is going to happen this upcoming season and for me i'm certainly excited anyway really can't wait to get to it a little bit of news on contracts we talked some contracts uh, with chris there in that segment but uh, the 49ers they're looking to lock up some players after a number of their players walked away this season so maybe that there's where they're trying to lock them up uh, trying to keep them with them on the team rather than uh, players retiring on them early and uh, they want to keep Al- aldon smith and vernon davis davis had a down year last year he's a player i'm expecting to bounce back from um, you can get him very late in, the, in fantasy football at the moment and uh, I think that if he gets back to anywhere near the level uh, that he was two or three years ago that he, he could be a kind of steal there in the later rounds of the draft but he, he's a player that the passing game last year didn't really focus around them the passing game wasn't really all that existent uh, for the 49ers really when you look around at who was successful in that and uh, even the running game Frank Gore had a strong enough finish to the year but it was a struggle Kaepernick uh, had a lot of pressure on him a lot of sacks and uh, we'll see how the 49ers can go now this year because they've lost players the defense mightn't be as good but you know last season I mentioned about guessing and what on and so forth and uh, a lot of people guessing last year that the Cowboys were going to have the statistically the worst defense of all time and they they done quite a nice job and got to the playoffs and uh, so we'll see can the 49ers have a, a strong season they have lost some key pieces but you know sometimes uh, teams can go in and although some teams might be more talented you can kind of get into the say us against the world mentality and make something off it so 49ers could be one of the teams that do something like that Alden Smith as well looking to give him a contract he's had his off the field issues as well a player that undoubtedly has uh, extreme talent but just keeping himself out of trouble off the field has been an issue for him so 49ers uh, starting to look at players and you know everyone's trying to lock up the the kind of the foundation of their team now and uh, some people trying to do it before the season rather than if somebody has a big season and pushes on to to have to pay them those extra dollars so that there's just a little bit of the news going around I mentioned this Sunday for Sunday game coming up and it's going to be the Hall of Fame game the Steelers and the Vikings the game I'm looking forward to and I'm sure DJ's looking forward to too be a little bit of banter in uh, the OTI household as uh, the Packers are traveling up to Foxborough to face the the New England Patriots in the the first preseason game for those two. That's next Thursday. So everyone's team's going back in action. You'll get to see some of your rookies playing. Get to see maybe some free agent acquisitions. I'm sure teams like the Seahawks, who we talked about, will be looking to see how Jimmy Graham is deployed there in the in the preseason for them and give them a little bit of information as to what it's going to look like in the season as well. So looking forward to getting a bit of action in this week. Uh, next week then we'll be back with another show we might even start hitting up two shows a week now in the coming few weeks get uh, extra guests on get more talked about as we kind of start to look forward we'll be talking about about these games as well as the news and so on and uh, it'll, it'll be a fun fun time so keep spreading the word of the overtime ireland podcast as you have been doing fantastic job sharing us on social media tweet out uh, tag us in it at overtime ireland is the the twitter handle want to get in touch overtime ireland at gmail.com if it's longer than the usual twitter message and uh, 
My name's Colin Kelly. Follow me at the Colin Kelly. And until I'm back with the next show next week, have a good one, as always. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production. 